this morning. We're in the second part of our series called The Paths of Joy. I have just so felt this so strongly in my gut this last season or this last couple of days is that, that we, we so need joy and there's so much gloom and heaviness and all this and like, you know, for crying out loud, forget it. We need joy. We need joy in who God is. And I wanted to make a couple different points as we, we step into this morning. Did you hear over the weekend? Well, first of all, we have some more flooding that's happening today. Um, thankfully, it is not as bad as what it was on November 16th and 17th. So there were people evacuated, but from what I'm hearing so far, and maybe someone is hearing something different, it's not as bad. So praise God for that. We need to, is it kind of iffy? Okay. 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 Well, hey, Mike, can you lay a hand on Phil? Can we pray right now for everybody affected by flooding? Anybody else affected? Anybody? Okay. God, we just pray right now, uh, especially over the Bryans, but God, we pray over everybody in the Nooksack region, North Whatcom County, Skagit County, all over the place. God, we pray for the flood waters to recede. We pray for less rain. We pray, God, that you would help those that are diverting water, God, that it would, it would not damage any homes. We, we ask, God, for your protection over people, over people's animals and livestock, over their crops, over all of it, God, the fields, all of it. We ask, God, for protection over Whatcom County. God, we ask that you would come in and protect. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we'll keep praying. Um, and then the second of all, you might have heard that there is a new COVID variant. Anybody hear this? They're calling it the Omicron or something. It sounds like, it sounds like a sci-fi movie, honestly. I, I was processing this, and, and I, was, um, I was just thinking, what in the world, God, what are you saying in all this? And I, Matthew 10, 28 came to mind. Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body but they can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body. I, I was thinking about it like, you know, we all could die tomorrow. We, we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, now, if you're driving down the highway, please do the speed limit. It might be helpful. But, but the bottom line is we're not promised tomorrow, but what we are promised is that if we're in Christ, we are protected for eternity. So there is no reason that fear of anything should grip our hearts, but I would say this, guys, any friends of yours, anyone in your life who is fearful of this COVID thing, it is time for us to stand as the body of Christ and say, yeah, we might die, but you know what? Christ really does bring life and life abundantly. Do you know him? Do you know where you're going to go when you pass away? We need to stand and let people know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I just wanted to encourage us this morning. There's no reason for fear but there is an opportunity to share Jesus. So um, with that, this morning, paths of joy. Um, go to Psalms chapter 32, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose no, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Another way that you can read that, so blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
Blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Title of today's message is Joy Belongs to the One Who's Forgiven. God, I pray this morning for each one of us here to receive the message of forgiveness. I pray, God, that weights and loads of shame and guilt, not measuring up, not being enough, failure, all the heavy things, I pray all of those to roll away on every heart. And I pray this morning that we would be people that forgive easily. I pray today, God, today would be a day that as we are forgiven, we could release them and we could also forgive ourselves. Spirit of the living God, we, your kids, come to you and say, speak. Your kids are listening. Have your way in our hearts. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Another way that you could read this, because a transgression is a willful decision. A sin is all the places where I've missed it, how I speak, what I think about, all that I do. Iniquity is guilt, and deceit is someone who is not sincere. So another way that you could read this passage is, happy is the one who knowingly did something wrong, but God forgave them. Happy is the one who God doesn't shame, but covers all the places where they failed in the past. Happy is the one who God doesn't consider guilty. Happy is the one who is sincere in wanting to make things right. There's joy in being forgiven. Today I wanted to um, step into a story. In uh, 2 Samuel, there's the story of King David, and it's chapter 11, if you're following along. And David had just become king, and things are going really well. In fact, all these people, as he became king, became king, started to oppose him. And one after another, he keeps winning battles. He just keeps conquering land. He keeps taking ground because God's favor was on his life. In fact, in chapter, <clears throat> in chapter 10, he had over 40,000 or 50,000 troops come against him. All these different kingdoms and all this stuff, they all came against him. And he routed them. He won against the entire lot. He killed 40,000 people in this battle. And he just took over all the way up to middle of Syria towards the Euphrates. He was just starting to carve out all this ground. He was winning. And then he made a mistake. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab, that's his general, and his servants with him, and all of Israel. And they ravaged the Amorites and besieged Rabbah, that's their capital city. But David remained at Jerusalem. First point, you got to take the battle to the enemy, or the enemy will take the battle to you. We live in a conflict, whether we like it or not. Ephesians 6 says our battle, our wrestle is not against people, but it's against principalities, demonic forces. They are here to destroy us, to discourage us, to dissuade us. And if I don't take the battle to him, he'll bring it to my doorstep. 
in the springtime when David was supposed to be out at war, he said, nah, we've done pretty well. Why don't you guys go? I'll stay home. He went from the place of victory to a place of coasting. And, and this doesn't mean, you guys, that we're not supposed to rest. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed to live in a rhythm of rest. But we don't rest for the sake of comfort. We rest for the sake of being prepared for what God has for us in the future. Somebody asked me this question last week. Well, they didn't ask me. I saw it in a video, but I took it personal. If Satan was going, if you were Satan, how would you mess with you? If you, um, if you were trying to mess you up, drop you down, hinder your steps, do something, what would you do? And the reality is we all have these little different trigger points. Maybe it's that relationship thing where somebody, if it's something messed up in a relationship, you're going to go sideways. Maybe, maybe it has, it's connected to entertainment. Maybe, maybe it's connected to your ambition and your belief for what you believe is for your life. And so you might get discouraged in your purpose or your direction. What would it be if Satan was going to mess with you? What would he do? When I'm not in a posture of advancing, but if I take a, a sit-back seat, all of those things easily come up. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 14, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Here's David, super confident. He just had a massive, massive victory. And he said, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee idolatry. What's idolatry? Anything that sets itself up to be a comfort or a source other than God. Idolatry. Anything that we set up in our life to be a source of comfort or source other than God. That doesn't mean you're not supposed to eat food. We are made to eat food. But it does mean that God has designed things in a specific way that we're meant to live in relation to Him in what we're doing. When anything other than Him is my source, it becomes an idolatry. And when I don't flee it, it becomes a false comfort. When it becomes a false comfort, there's an opportunity for me to fall. David is sitting in Jerusalem. And there's something that happens to us when we take our foot off the gas when God in 2 Timothy or 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4, it says this. It happened late one afternoon when David got up from his couch and he was walking on the roof of his house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. Next slide. And David sent and inquired about this woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers, and he took her. There he was, 
He had a purpose. He had a direction. He had a, a, a call of God on his life. He had, he had where he was supposed to go, but he took his foot off the gas and he stayed at home and he sat on his couch. Boredom is a bad place to live. You were not made for the place of just, well, I'm here. You were made for a purpose. Here's a man created with a purpose, found in the place of boredom, and temptation found him in that spot. We were never made to stay in the place of temptation. You know, when you're tempted with whatever, it's time to run. I'm not strong enough. You're not strong enough. We were made to run. We were never made to stand in the place of temptation. We're made to find a way out. Instead of being on the couch, we were made for the battlefield. What's your battlefield? I, I was hearing a guy talk once, and he said, he said this, you don't know what your purpose is? Look for the injustice around you. Look for the places where you see, that's not right. My hunch is, you were made to fill that space. Where is it in the relationships, the people, the things that are not right? What are the places where <clears throat> Satan has set up a stronghold in lives and in places and, and there needs to be a place taken, a city taken, a battlefield fought for, people's hearts fought for. We're made to jump into those places, jump into our battlefield. We're not made to sit on the couch and hope that someone changes something. Where's your battlefield? David had a battlefield, but he said, nah, someone else can take a turn. Sin, and this, this gets me, David ends up taking Bathsheba, another man's wife, and he ends up getting her pregnant. Now, I know, I'm pretty confident that the majority of people that step into any sort of infidelity um, step into any sort of drug use, step into any place where they make a big decision where you get someone pregnant, you start an addiction, you do whatever. I doubt 99% of them are thinking, you know what sounds like a really good idea today? I think I'm just going to blow up my life. Nobody's thinking that way, but in that place of idleness, in that place of lacking, see, David had fulfillment in the place of God's purpose, but because he was disengaged from it, he found himself in a place of wanting. You will find everything you need in the place of your calling, of what you're made for, but you will find frustration in the place of being disengaged from it. Where is your battlefield? Where are the places of injustice around you? Where are the places where there's wrongs that need to be made right? I tell you that as you step into those places, purpose and fulfillment will rise in your heart because you're doing what you're made to do. He ends up getting Bathsheba pregnant. I doubt that was his plan. That was not what he was planning on doing. But that's what idolatry will give me. And sin will take us, take me farther Take us farther than we want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you ever want to pay. It'll keep you 
It'll take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. This is the cost of putting our comfort in things that we are never made to put our comfort in. When tempted, flee. And flee where? Into God's purpose. It's the only safe space. It's the only happy place. When you're hurting, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, when you're bored, these are all signs that you're not where you need to be. Two questions for you in your life, in your weekly rhythm. One, do you have a weekly Sabbath? This is what I mean by that. A day set aside to worship God, enjoy relationships, and rest. Do you have that? And two, do you have friends who see you? Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all judgment. Do you have friends who can see you? And I'm not just saying any friends, but friends who have a heart after God who would say, hey, Jeremy, this way. David isolated himself. He had a ton of people around him, but there he was. He sent Joab and the army and the servants of Israel. You guys go fight. I'll stay back on my couch. He's all alone. And there's no one there to check on him because he pulled himself away. He had a lot of good people around him, but he pulled himself away. Isolation will always kill you. And so now David does what any of us do when we're just walking in our own impulses and we screw up. He tries to hide it. He tries to make it go away. And so here in his first attempt, he calls Uriah back, the husband, back from the front line. He's there besieging the city. He pulls him back, and Uriah was one of the main fighters, the, one of the strongest warriors in the army. He comes back, and he has a party at his house, and he tries to get Uriah drunk and get him to go home to be with his wife. But Uriah sleeps on the steps of the palace. Night two, he tries and does it again. And then he calls him over and he says, Hey, Uriah, come here. Go home. Be with your wife. You're a great man. Go, go spend time with your wife. And Uriah says this to David. The ark of Is and Israel and Judah dwell in booths. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and be with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. You know, when you're in a place of compromise, Uriah didn't know what he had done, but when I'm in a place of compromise, even those that don't know, even just the example of people around me will convict my heart. You ever been there? You're in a place you shouldn't be and someone just by the living, how they live? it already impacts your heart. It already kind of challenges you. It's like a tap on your heart, like, hey, hey, what you doing? And David had a prime opportunity in that moment to make it right with Uriah and to speak up, but he doesn't. In the morning, David writes a letter to Joab, and he sends it, sends it by the hand of Uriah. 
in the letter, he writes, sit, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he might be struck down and die. Can you see how sin can take you farther than you'd ever thought you'd go, keep you longer than you'd ever wanted to stay and cost you more than you'd ever want to pay? I doubt David, the one who said he would not kill Saul. Remember who Saul is? Saul's the guy that would hunted him for years trying to kill him. And David, standing over him, felt guilty about cutting the corner of his robe off to show him, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. He felt guilty about that. And here he is, years later, sending an innocent man to his death. This is what compromise does to my heart. It makes the little, it makes the decisions that are wrong, it makes it a little easier to keep walking that way. He sends Uriah to the front line. They, they bring in the letter. Joab takes the letter. He puts Uriah in the front. The army pulls back, so Uriah is left exposed. Uriah is killed. David hears about it. And it says that when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for him. And when the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I'm sure at this point, <clears throat> David's like, I got away with it. Nobody knows. I'm in the clear. And now, I'm going to do what's right. You ever been there? I, I'm going to do what's right now. I, I did the wrong thing here, but you know what? I covered it. Nobody knows. It's done. You know, I, I'll be really good to Bathsheba. I'll, I'll make it. I'll do things right. But you guys, that's never how God works. God's desire is never to shame us, but he won't let injustice lie. So in walks the prophet Nathan. Nathan comes into the throne room, and he says, he says, King David, I have a problem. See, there's two men, of my, there's two men in, in a certain city, and one's rich and one's poor, and the rich man had a whole bunch of flock and herds, and the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and he grew it up with him, and it became almost like a child to him. Now a certain traveler came to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one from his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come. Then David was incredibly angry against the man. And he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he's done this thing and because he has no pity. Nathan's response, you're that man. You know, I think we typically want to have mercy for ourselves and justice on everyone else. They're really horrible. I can't believe they did that. They, somebody, they should pay. But when it's flipped, oh God, mercy. For with the measure that you give, it shall be measured against you. This doesn't mean we can't have judgments and statements about what's right and wrong, but it just means, look folks, there needs to be a just balance in what we say and what we do. 
And if you would, it says this in, in, this, in Matthew, it says, blessed are the merciful for what? They shall receive mercy. How much mercy do you want to receive? Nathan turns to David and he says, you're that man. Uh-oh. Sin is costly and God is merciful. Nathan continues on to say this. He says, look, there's going to be some consequences to your actions. Here's what's going to happen now. You're always going to be at war. The son that's in the womb of Bathsheba is going to die. And there's going to be someone from your line that's going to do the exact same thing that you did to Uriah. They're actually going to sleep with your wives. There was consequences to his actions. And David cut to the heart. He owned it. And he said, I blew it. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. David acknowledged what he did. And you know what happens right then? God has mercy. It says this in Isaiah. It says this. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. You guys, God is eager to give mercy to everybody that cries out. But it's those that cry out and acknowledge where they're at that receive the mercy. There was a price that he had to pay for his choices, but in turning there was blessing. There's two things I want to say with this. One, if you're in a space that you've made some decisions and, and maybe you try to do what David did and you try to cover it up and maybe you got away with it or maybe you didn't, God sees and that displeases God. He actually recognizes where you're at and he's like, look, don't do it. I want you, uncover it with me. Bring it to me. And if you do, there'll be a blessing. Second of all, some of you in this room, people have wronged you. And God is inviting us into a space of would we show mercy like God has shown mercy to us. Easier said than done, right? The baby in Bathsheba's womb ends up dying. David prays really hard asking God, oh God, spare the child. The baby dies. David ends up living out in his days. He ends up getting the consequences of what happens. He ends up losing the kingdom. One of his sons takes his wives. This whole crazy deal. He ends up getting the kingdom back at a cost. And there was always war for the rest of his days. Always stress for the rest of his days. There was a cost. But Nathan the prophet turns to David in this moment. And he says, the Lord has put this thing behind him. God is not going to remember this anymore. You've acknowledged your sin. I'm not going to remember this anymore. You're going to have some troubles, but I am not going to remember this anymore. I want to bless you. Bathsheba ends up having another son. They name him Samuel. God sends the prophet Nathan again, and God says, hey, by the way, I know you named him Samuel, but I got another name for him, and it's Jedediah. Jedaniah means beloved of God. Hold on. God, you're going to beloved this one? 
you're going you're gonna to say this is your beloved one, the one from the guy who stole the wife, that this kid, this is the beloved one? Yes, because God delights in showing mercy and he loves those that will simply say, God, I failed, I want to please you. Like the verses at the very beginning. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That is, he is sincere in what he is saying. When each of us is sincere in our turning back to God, God delights in showing mercy, and not just mercy, but blessing. Bathsheba has a son, they name him Jedediah. He ends up becoming the, the next king of Israel, and his reign is ridiculously blessed. The interesting thing, too, is that David gets off the couch and he gets back into the battle. He actually goes to Rabbath, the, the capital city. And it was when David got off the couch, this is a big deal right here. When David gets off the couch, he gets out of his compromise, he goes back into the battle. That's when they take the city. There are people in your life, in places of bondage and frustration, there are things that are not as they should be, that when we will step out of compromise and step into obedience, the victory will come. Because God has a specific purpose for you. He has a specific plan for you. And when I sit in the compromise, when I sit on my couch, that place that is unoccupied that I'm supposed to step into. There's victory on the other side of my obedience. There's joy on the other side of my obedience. There is breakthrough on the other side of my obedience. And not just for me, but for others. Where's your battlefield? Get off the couch. Step into rest that's not for comfort, but rest that's for worship and thanking God for what he's given you. Don't isolate yourself. Make yourself available. Who in your world is someone that you can say, hey, here's my stuff, here's who I am, what do you think? Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the, the man against whom the Lord counts no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. What I love too, it says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. God does not delight in shaming anybody. He does not delight in making anybody feel bad about what they're doing. It's not like God is just looking to make people have a hard time. No, he delights when people turn. This is his cry for each person. He's like, oh man, may the wicked forsake their ways. May the, may the person fleeing my way, may they turn my ways. Man, I would give them such a blessing they wouldn't even know it. Psalms 51, David, uh, after Nathan leaves him, he pulls out a pen and a paper, or rather a, I guess a goat skin and a quill or something, I don't know. David leaves his place, he's, he's feeling broken in heart. He's recognizing, man, I really messed this up, and this is going to be costly. Sin is costly. But he says these words to God. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. 
God, my heart was clean before. God, do it again. And Nick, could you just come on up? Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. Ever been there when your spirit gets wrong? You're, maybe you're filled with anger. Maybe you're filled with selfishness. Maybe you're filled with just, you're, you're, you're just off. You're, your spirit's not right. And then I love this. This has been my cry so many times. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Here's my point. We so need the Holy Spirit's joy. Guys, the battle gets hard. We get weary. There might be times you're tempted to take your foot off the gas and say, I just need to rest a little while. You might be in a place of just bombardment or temptation or whatever. And God has sent his Holy Spirit that we can say, Holy Spirit, I need some joy. I need some strength. I'm faltering here. Fill me with your joy. And I love this last part. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Sometimes my spirit don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to worship God. I don't, I don't want to do the right thing. But God, I want to do the thing I don't want to do. Help. Holy Spirit, help. When we acknowledge our sin, we bring it into the open. Then we say, Holy Spirit, come. Create me, create in me like you did when you did the world. A whole new thing. I ask for a clean, pure heart. Make me stable in my emotions and in my spirit to stand before you unfaltering. Give me a willing heart to do the right thing. And God, restore the joy of walking in friendship with you. The point of this morning's message is that joy is to those that are forgiven and then say, Holy Spirit, would you fill that empty space? Where there was temptation, where there was frustration, where there was apathy, where there was, what's the purpose of my life? God, I need you to fill that space because if God doesn't fill that space, something will. We need Him to fill that space. And your willpower isn't enough. Your book smarts isn't enough. Your network of friends and money isn't enough. We need joy. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit with me. Cast you not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So what we're going to do today, I want us to take space to acknowledge our sin. Doesn't that sound like fun? Acknowledge the fact that you made some willful decisions that weren't the right ones. Two, get back in the fight. Pick up that Bible. Get back in worship. 
Remember the places of injustice. It's time where it's called to live with a purpose. And say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your presence. Give me a willing spirit. Svetlana, if you could put that verse back up that created me a clean heart. Nick's just going to play. And I'm just going to ask everybody across the room to respond. Maybe you just want to kneel where you are. Maybe you want to come forward to the altar. But I want us to take some space. Can we just acknowledge that, man, we need God? We need Him. Let's acknowledge our sin. Let's get back in the fight. And let's ask God for His his presence. But let's just take a bit. Let's take a posture right where you are. Let's have a conversation with God. Let's, Let's make some things right. doesn't want to shame you. He wants to cover you. He doesn't want to expose you. He wants you blessed. Some of you have been toying with the line and and being like, man, how can I close, how can I get to pleasures of the world and God's saying like oh man my pleasures are way better than all that stuff step into purpose with me I have more for you can we just say this verse all together Psalms 51 10 to 12 create in me a clean heart oh God renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. and Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Oh God, we cry out for clean hearts and clean hands. God, we confess, we, we, we choose our way, but we know your way so much better. God, I pray for every person in this room, every person in this space. God, I I know that when we acknowledge our sin before you, you rush into that place. We rebuke every place of condemnation and shame and all that junk. And we just say, God, we come with sincerity to you today. God, have your way in me. I also just feel a warning in my heart to some people here today. You might say, well, I'll I'll make it right later. You don't know if you get later. You You don't know if that day will come. But the Word of God says that today is the day of salvation. So today choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the idols that you've made for yourself? Or are you going to serve the living and true God? If you serve those idols, it's going to end up the same way every time. Heartache, frustration, pain, and never quite satisfaction. 
choose today. Second thing I want to I want to step in today is that it's time to get off the couch. And that might look as simple as you make it your mandate every day. You're going to look at someone and say, how can I pray for you? But living for myself is lame. You were made for battle. You were made for a purpose. Which battle are you going to fight? The one that you bring to the enemy or the one that's going to be brought to you? It's time to stand in God. some of you it's as simple as you need to read your Bible <laughs> lastly Holy Spirit we really need you we ask for a willing heart we ask for joy in our heart <laughs> God's been dealing with you in a space today. Can you, this is, this is really for you because you, you don't have to be specific. I don't want to uncover you, but is there a space where you're like, I need to come back into obeying God. I need to, I'm acknowledging something today. Can you just lift your hand? Yeah. Holy Spirit, we just thank you this morning that you're the God that meets us right where we are not where we think we should be, but right where we are. And we say, Spirit of God, we invite you into our hearts and into our lives and into our actions today. Spirit of the living God, we ask for the joy of our salvation to flood our hearts. And I know that that joy is on the other side of us obeying your voice. Joy is the result of turning. Forgiveness. We're also called to give forgiveness. And God, I, I just pray for each person in this space that's in a space. I mean, I, I don't know if I can forgive. God, I, I ask for strength in our spirit, in our gut, to forgive. I ask for grace for that, God, today. To give forgiveness as we have been forgiven. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? You know, real simple application on this. I was in, I was in college and God said this one simple line to me very specific to my heart. He said, Jeremy, I want you to challenge yourself physically, intellectually, and spiritually every day. That's what he said to me. Did you know that the days that I do that simple thing, I, I don't do it amazing. I'm not running 19 miles every day or whatever, but I'm, when I do those three specific things that he told me to do, did you know I have more joy those days? I have more energy those days? I have more clarity those days. 
God's not looking for you to work really hard. He's looking for you to obey what he's told you to do. Get in the word of God. Have friends that can call you on your stuff and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. What do you say today? I'm going to follow you. It's as simple obedience is the place of joy. Amen? Hey, can we stand on up? We got a good crew, don't we? Isn't a, isn't a pretty slam dab awesome church? I don't know what slam dab means, but... Um, two things. One, um, who's had a birthday here in the last little bit? If you had a birthday, can you just wave it real quick? Can you lay a hand on a person if they have a birthday? Lay a hand on Ron, somebody. I'll lay a hand on myself. God, we just pray for every person in this room that had a birthday in the month of December or November. And God, we thank you. Thanks, Phil. God, we thank you for them. And we just pray, God, would you make this next year such an incredible year. We ask that you would bless their socks off, God, that they would experience your joy, your favor. I pray places where they need wisdom. Oh, God, give it to them. God, where they need strength, God, give it to them. Where they need provision, God, give it to them. We know you're a good God who gives good gifts to his kids. And above all, we ask that you would give them of your spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to pray our benediction real quick. Can you put that on the words on the screen? Let's just all pray this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen.